Hey, good morning, People's Church family. Can you put your hands together and let's honor our pastor, Pastor Herbert and Tiffany. We love them. Come on, let's honor them today. What a fantastic season to be a part of People's Church and all that he's doing. You heard the announcements, man, you don't want to miss uh, this coming Sunday, one week today, as we're getting ready for our miracle offering. I know many of you uh, filled out a vision commitment card towards uh, what you're going to give towards all that pastor's been sharing about with the building in Indianapolis, as well as starting a campus here in Edmond, Oklahoma. So thank you for those of you that stepped out in faith and filled out the card. So next week will be our first offering uh, towards that. And maybe you say, man, I didn't get a chance to fill out a card for whatever reason you have not done that yet. That is still your chance to be a part of that miracle. So for the miracle offering, it's for all of us. I hope that you'll be praying and thinking as, a, as an individual or as a family about what God would have for you to do because it's going to be just a fantastic, I believe, really historic weekend in the life of our church. And then the big gift coming up, don't forget on your way out, grab that toy list, purchase it this week and bring it back next week because Christmas is here, y'all. Can you believe it? Do you love Christmas time? Do you guys enjoy the Christmas season? Let me ask this. How many of you still in turkey coma right now? You can't even clap for Christmas because you ate so much. Who had a good Thanksgiving? Anybody have a good Thanksgiving? Uh, anybody eat too much? Did anybody eat way too much? What's crazy is on Thursday, man got down to Thursday night and I, and I, I think I literally said, I will not eat again until Christmas. And then the next morning I was like, hey, anybody know where that turkey is? It's like I have amnesia or something and I go right back and do it all over again. I'm curious, by a show of hands, how many of you ate turkey for Thanksgiving? Come on, raise your hand. All of our campuses, just raise it up right now. You're, you had turkey. What about ham? Who had ham? Who had both? Come on, raise both hands if you had both. Oh, man, we had so much time uh, eating and, and time with family. It's wonderful. But now it is the Christmas season. We started a little bit early. We started singing before Thanksgiving. We started singing Christmas songs. That used to be banned in, in my home, and I wouldn't allow that. And then they just wore me down. They just so now I think we start sometime around September or October. We start singing Christmas songs. But, man, I love the Christmas season. I love the sights. I love the sounds. I love the smells. I love the taste of Christmas. Uh, man, I, I enjoy seeing all the lights going up. Uh, we had a family sing-along coming back home from visiting with family. Uh, uh, just yesterday, we had we, we had Christmas sing-along, is what we called it, and most of us were on key, and uh, one or two of us actually got along during that, but it was just a fun time singing the Christmas songs, but Christmas is everywhere now. It's like full throttle. Uh, you're hearing it on the radio stations. You're seeing it on TV commercials. You're seeing it on billboards. You're seeing it in the malls, and, and about this time, each year, you're possibly thinking it, or certainly you expect a preacher to say it, that you get about to this point in the season, Christmas celebration, and we're challenged to not get distracted, but to remember the reason, come on, say it with me, for the season, right? It's like, oh, we can't get caught up in the commercialism. It's everywhere. Don't let it get you. Don't let it overwhelm you. Don't let it distract you, because we got to make sure that we're keeping our eyes on the reason for the season. Now, certainly that is important, and we need to do that. 
But what I want us to do today is as we think about some of the symbols of Christmas and the things that come along with Christmas, instead of looking at it thinking that our only option is to be distracted or not distracted, what if we take a few weeks here in this series called Tis the Season to allow some of the symbols of Christmas to certainly not distract us, but actually serve as a symbol to remind us about what Christmas is all about. You probably have some favorite things that you enjoy, exchanging gifts with friends and family or, or certain sweets or treats. Come on, how many of you guys know Pastor Herbert has made it plain? He's made it clear to the entire world that he loves some eggnog milkshake. Have you heard him say that once or a hundred times? Our pastor loves some eggnog milkshake. So you know what I did? The other day I pulled into Brahms. And I got there and, and he, had, he had worked me up with so much expectation. I pulled in. I said, I would like to have a large eggnog milkshake, please. My faith was high. My, my curiosity was maxing out. My taste buds were dancing. And then I took that first sip. And I thought, what in the world was he talking about? <laughs> he loves some eggnog milkshake. And I don't know, maybe you have some favorite sweets or treats or things that you do. But for all of us who want to enjoy them, we certainly remember that you can't lose sight of the reason for the season. But what if some of the things that just accompany the Christmas celebration not only did not distract us, but serve to remind us about what Christmas is all about. So I want to share with you on this opening message of Tis the Season series, I want to share with you a message called The Perfect Tree. The Perfect Tree. How many of you are real Christmas tree people? When you get a tree, it's going to be a real tree in your house. Come on, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Keep your hand up for a second. Man, you are a dying breed. Out of this whole room, we got like two people. Real Christmas tree. All right, what about artificial trees? Raise your hand if you get artificial. Oh, my goodness. Look at that. Well, according to the National Christmas Tree Association, and yes, there is such a thing. <laughs> Who knew? Approximately 25 to 30 million real Christmas trees will be sold in the U.S. during Christmas season. Two of those to people at People's Church, apparently, but 25 to 30 million real Christmas trees. And approximately 9 million artificial trees will be sold this year. And it's such a, a smaller number because apparently the reason so many of us buy the artificial tree is because you can set it and forget it, right? I mean, it's just like purchase it done, just put it over there and put a, put a sheet over it. Next, we take it off. There it is right there. Got our tree ready to go. Oh, there's so much about the history of the tree that's interesting, even fascinating. One of the things that I thought was just worthy of noting and mentioning is, is about 500 years ago, Martin Luther is the one who is credited with bringing the first evergreen in his home and putting lights on it, or he used candles there, which I don't even know. I mean, that's, that's crazy how that worked. Did they have like two or three and caught on fire? They're like, somebody needs to invent some Christmas lights. I don't know how that whole thing worked, but... He was the one who was credited with 
with doing that. And it said that he was uh, inspired when he was taking a prayer walk and out into the woods, spending some time talking with God, praying and meditating when he saw the beautiful evergreens and, and, and in front of the backdrop of the stars. And he thought, what if you could replicate that indoors? And so he did so by chopping down an evergreen, bringing it into his home and putting candles on the tree. You know, whenever I think about this thought of the perfect tree, it's interesting how when you read through scripture, there are so many significant references to a tree or wood from a tree. And I really didn't pay as much attention to it and really didn't capture my attention until preparing for this message. But it starts even in the book of Genesis. And, and right out of the gate, you've got the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that played such a critical role in all of the history of mankind. And, and so it started there. You know that Noah built an ark. God provided a way of escape or a way of salvation for humanity by telling Noah to build an ark. And obviously he built the ark out of trees. God used that to save humanity. Zacchaeus climbed up in a tree to get a better look at Jesus. The tree enabled him to see the Savior more clearly. Trees have played a huge part throughout Scripture. Even so in the life of Jesus himself. When Jesus was born, he was placed in a manger made of wood, a feeding trough. And so his life started there, uh, being held by this wooden manger. And then we know how significant it is that his mission was fulfilled when he gave his life on a tree, a wooden cross. So many scriptures, so many things that you look back to in his life, born in a manger, raised according to Mark chapter 6, as a carpenter's son. So he presumably worked a lot with trees and learned to turn a tree into something significant and meaningful that people used or enjoyed. But I don't know if there's any scripture that says it more plainly and yet more profoundly nor profoundly as well than 1 Peter chapter 2. In verse 24, we're speaking of Jesus, it says, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree. He bore His sins on the, uh, in His body on the tree that, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And look at this part. And by His wounds, you have been healed. Anybody in here today thankful for the tree that held our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we think about Jesus paying our sin debt and washing our sins away. He was not only born in a manger made from a tree, but he died on a cross made from a tree. And as we all begin to enjoy the excitement that happens around the, the Christmas parties, the Christmas plays, the Christmas productions, and, and all of the trees that we'll see along the way on shows or commercials or, or in the malls, and we look at the Christmas tree, what if this tree could preach a sermon to us? What if the Christmas tree certainly wouldn't be a distraction, but it actually served as a reminder? In order to help us to do that, I want us to think for a few minutes about the contrast between what we look for in a tree and what God looked for when he chose that tree. Let's compare our Christmas tree to the cross of Christ. Point number one. 
We tend to choose a beautiful tree. God chose one that would be brutal. We choose a beautiful tree. God's tree was brutal. When we first got married, Casey and I made a few feeble attempts, a couple of, I guess, maybe one or two Christmases of getting a Christmas tree and, you know, kind of newlyweds and new at it and low budget. So we did what we could, you know, and got a little something. But then whenever our first child, our first daughter, Candace, came along. Now I'm a married man. I'm a grown man. I got a wife. I've got a kid. Listen, I've seen how this works in movies. You, you're supposed to go chop your own tree down. Anybody ever gone to like a tree farm to try and cut your own tree down? Just curious. Raise your hand if you've ever done that before. It's really a cool experience when you're watching it on a movie. Because <laughs> it just works out great. Because they just pull up and the family gets out. They got scarves that match and all this kind of stuff, you know. And, and kids are getting along. It's weird. I'm like, man, check this show out. And so they go to the Christmas tree farm and, and then they go into and what happens. It's kind of like the, the, the skies part and, 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 and heaven smiles on just this one tree. It's this perfect tree. It's a beautiful tree. And, and everybody kind of, ah, ah, you know, they look at it. And it's kind of like, who watches Hallmark? Come on, you don't have to be ashamed. Who watches Hallmark Christmas movies? Come on, raise your hand if you watch Hallmark Christmas movies, right? If you've seen one, you've seen them all. That's right. So they go, and they're getting their Christmas tree, and it just looks like, oh, look at this. They're sipping on hot chocolate. So I'm like, we're going to go chop down a tree. And so we went, and we're looking for it, and, and we're walking around. It's freezing. It feels like about 120 below zero, you know, and we're walking around, and it's, it's my wife and a newborn baby, and I think Candace may have been maybe like two or three months old, which makes a lot of sense to have a two-month-old out in weather like that, and, and I'm sure she really had a great appreciation for the fact that I'm looking for a tree for the family, and, and so we're looking, and I don't know what happened to this tree, but this looked like uh, the Charlie Brown Christmas tree farm, you know, it looked like it looked like they just had a rough year you know it just looked like man let's just keep walking maybe they get bigger towards the back and so we we kept and I kept waiting for the tree just to be like there it is and finally there comes that point to where you don't want to admit it you think I'm gonna find this tree if it kills me you finally get to the point to where you realize this is a lost cause and I just turned to my wife and said want to go to Lowe's so just the walk of shame, you know, you got your little saw and you're going on back empty handed, you know, and, and you just hand it back. Thank you. We're, we're going we're to keep looking, you know, and just left and it just something about having the perfect Christmas tree. This one's not good enough. That one's not good enough. And, and I want it to be right. We want a beautiful tree, God's tree that he chose for the crucifixion of his own son wasn't so much beautiful as it was brutal. Listen to what it says in Acts chapter 2, Peter speaking to the Jews, and he says, Jesus was handed over to you, and you killed him. With the help of evil men, you nailed him to a cross. But look at this next part. I find it really interesting. But God knew all this would happen. It was his plan a plan he made long ago. Notice it says that God knew in advance that Jesus would die on the tree. He wasn't surprised. Come on, think about it at a deeper level. God grew the tree that would one day hold his son. He knew about it. 
He created the tree. A tree was selected and chopped down and fashioned into a cross by the Romans who chose this choice instrument for their torture of their criminals. And it was meant to be an excruciating death. It was brutal. And when I think about what Jesus did for me on that cross when he died on that tree, I believe that he would be honored if when I see a beautiful one, I would remember his brutal one. I don't mean that as if to say every time you pass by a Christmas tree that you're supposed to feel grief. Or every time God uh, wants us, every time we see a Christmas tree, that we're supposed to shed a, shed a tear. I think that he just wants us to say, hey, when, when you see the tree, remember me. When you see the beautiful tree, let it remind you that your life had been brutalized by sin. But I took that, that, that wrecked life of yours and I made something beautiful out of it. Anybody have that kind of story in your life to where you were bruised, you were broken out, you were beaten. But when Jesus stepped in, he made something beautiful of your life. I believe that he knows that our lives are messy. And knowing that God doesn't do anything by accident, he doesn't make any mistakes. I believe it's on purpose that when Jesus first arrived, he was born in that manger made from wood. And it, and it wasn't clean. It wasn't beautiful. It was smelly. It was nasty. I know how we clean it up for the greeting cards, but come on, think about it. You're in a stable. The manger's a feeding trough for the animals. And they're telling the donkey, scoot over. Quit eating. Got a little straw you can put on top of this. And the pure, holy son of God was placed in a dirty, smelly, messy manger. God's never intimidated by your mess. When Jesus died on the cross, it was not nice, neat, pretty, and clean. It was brutal. It was messy. It was horrific, but it was his mission. Why? Because his mission was your mess and mine. God's not intimidated by our messes. He does his greatest work in the midst of our mess. Listen, when you see a beautiful tree, let it remind you of how God sees your life. You're like, but everything else is wrong. This isn't perfect. This isn't all together. God can take our messy Christmas. How many of you guys know that Christmas can get messy? Messy family time. Messy conversations. We all have this perfect picture, you know, what it ought to be like. As a family, we started our countdown for the holidays. You know, we're looking forward this weekend. We're going to be going and seeing some family, you know, and all of that. So we're all excited about it. The night before we left, got a nail in the tire of the car. Flat tire. Help us, Lord. Our son had strep throat. Heal him, Jesus. But praise the Lord, holly jolly. Come on, we're going to go. We're going to have the holidays. Next day we got on the road. You remember we had that cold rain. It was just so rainy, freezing temperature. We're driving. Everybody's trying to act happy. Got our tire fixed. Sun getting over strep. And my windshield wipers are going. We're, we're just freezing. All of a sudden, I've never had this happen before. All of a sudden, windshield wiper, my windshield wiper flew off. I've never had that happen before. Scared me to death. I thought I was shot. I, I won't, I, it's my windshield wiper. 
I thought, what in the world? Kids started fighting. Hey, it's Christmas. I mean, we're just trying to be happy. It doesn't work like we always want it to. We want to have the perfect party, the perfect meal, perfect cookies. How many of you, your Christmases are messy, though? You'll just be honest today. Messy budgets, messy travel plans, messy waistlines. Come on, something's, something's going to hit home. But God's not intimidated by our mess. I want to encourage you that you don't have to have a perfect life. You don't have to have it all together. I think Jesus just wants you to remember that in the midst of your mess, he can make something beautiful out of it. When you see the tree, remember me. Let me give you the second thought here. It's that when we look for one, we look for a straight Christmas tree. When God wanted the cross, he looked for a strong one. We look for a straight tree. God needed a strong one. Have you ever picked out a Christmas tree only to get home and realize that your tree suffered from severe scoliosis? Anybody ever had a tree like that before? And what's really strange to me is it didn't at the store. Straight as an arrow. But see, they know how to position it. I didn't know. I know now. But you got to do the walk around, right? You got to hold it up. You got to shake it. You got to look at it from all these angles. Because I would get home and it was straight at the store. But you get home and you got a tree doing like this. You're like, man, did somebody give us the wrong tree? No, it's in how you look. But we like straight trees. So now I check it all out. I want to make sure that the trunk goes all and it's just straight. We like everything to be right and in order. And it's interesting to me that when I think about our relationships with the Lord, a lot of times we assume that God is only interested in us when our lives are all straightened out. Like we have to deal with all of our flaws and and all of our issues before we come to him. That he only chooses us. He only accepts us. He only loves us if we've got it all together. But that's not the story of Christmas. Listen actually to what it says in Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 14, where it says, You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. But then God made you alive. Who made you alive? God made you alive with Christ. For he forgave all your sins. Who forgave all your sins? God forgave all your sins. Do you see there's nothing in there about you cleaning yourself up, you fixing yourself and getting it right, you straighten it all up, but instead you realize it's because of what Jesus did on the cross. Look at verse 14. He canceled the record of the charges against us. Hear that. Somebody needs to hear it. He canceled the record of the charges against you, and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. Anybody thankful in here today for the tree, the cross of Jesus Christ, where he took all of your sin and he nailed it to the cross. See, a lot of times 
We fall into this life thinking that because we've messed up, because we are messed up, that we first have to get it all cleaned up before we can come to Jesus. I want you to know today that no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter how many mistakes you've made, no matter how many times you've blown it, I want you to know that God loves you with an everlasting love, so much so that here's what Christmas is all about, is that Jesus Christ left the splendor and glory of heaven and stepped into this messy world so that he can make something beautiful out of your life. You don't have to fix it. You just have to come to him. Can we thank him and praise him today for the work of the cross? Don't wait for your marriage to straighten up. Don't wait for your kids to act perfectly. Make sure you don't wait for your kids to behave perfectly. You just need to come to him as you are. And he just says, when you see the tree, think of me. Let me give you this third point, and it's this. We cover our trees with lights, the cross was covered by the light. We cover our trees with lights, but the cross was covered by the light. I'm going to confess to you today that if there's any part of Christmas that's going to test my Christianity, it's going to be putting up Christmas lights. Can anybody else make me feel better that it's not just me? Christmas lights. I love them. I love Christmas. I just don't like putting up Christmas lights. So one day I gave in and, and said, I'm going to get a pre-lit Christmas tree. So all I have to do is plug it in. Come on, that's wisdom. Come on, help me a little bit right now. That's just, I'm on to something. Because I'm one of these dudes to where every year it's got to be bigger and better than the year before. Some of you, that's not even a struggle for you. It doesn't matter. You've done the same Christmas lights or the same little ornament, the same for the last 85 years. Nothing has changed. You like the familiarity. You like the consistency. Same stock and same. You just stick with it. For me, every year I like for it to be bigger and better, which means I'm always adding more Christmas lights. But here's the problem is that whenever I start each year to decorate, I'm not starting where I left off. I got to start all over. Are you with me? Like, I got to go all the way back. And so one year I bought the pre-lit, because I was tired of fooling with the lights, because kids just know, don't talk to daddy right now. He's just, just pray for daddy right now. He's working on the Christmas lights. Pre-lit, though, plug it in. And it worked for like the first year. But see, when I'm investing in an artificial tree, I'm doing that because it's going to save me money, Right? Like year 14, 15, whatever, I'm supposed to break even, right? So this, so this thing better last. Then the next year or two, one, one strand may go out. And I'm like, hey, you don't scare me. I'm just going to keep this same tree and go get some lights and just add it right here to this tree. Next year, okay, I might need a little bit more. You know, I'm going I'm to add a few more lights to this tree. Well, after a few years, it just looked like this big, big, big blob of like Christmas lights and 4,000 of them didn't work, you know, and 2,000 did. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it was just a mess. But whenever I'm working on the lights and then I get it right, there's nothing like that moment when you turn off all the lights and you plug it in. Come on, you know all the families are sitting there staring at it. I'm expecting to be like a Hallmark where the, you know how they always end, the snow, every, you know, at the very end. Snow, 
Hot chocolate and a kiss. Am I preaching right now? Is this accurate? You know I'm telling the truth. So I'm ready for that moment because then it just washes all the troubles away. And can I just tell you that there is something more significant than just the moment that pays off when you look at the beauty of Christmas. Like, I mean, this is beautiful. I love seeing it. But I love when I think about not just a light, but the light. So I want you to listen to John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. You see, when it comes to a relationship with Jesus Christ, when it comes to the Christmas story, what we have to understand is that he stepped into our mess. Jesus came into this dark world to not only help you to see a light, but he came being the light that the light might live in you and that that light would lead you out of darkness. Did you hear what it said? I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. You might be facing the darkness of loneliness this Christmas. With all of the hustle and bustle surrounded by all of the noise, you somehow still feel all alone, like you're invisible. It's as if no one sees and no one seems to care. I want you to know that there is a light that can light up your heart and that the light of the life of Christ is greater than all of the darkness in our hearts. God's light always, somebody say always, God's light always wins. You might be here today and you're struggling with the darkness of grief. You're grieving over the pain of loss, a spouse that you lost, a family member that you lost, a a friend that you lost, a friendship that ended. Maybe it's the first Christmas since the divorce. and You're feeling dark, sad. Perhaps it was a loss from years and years and years ago, but every Christmas, for whatever reason, the Christmas time seems to remind you of what you used to have, but you don't anymore. Maybe you're struggling with the darkness of grief, or maybe you're experiencing the darkness of guilt. You've thought things. You've said things. You've done things that are wrong, things that are even shameful, things that make you feel dirty, things that make you feel guilty, and the darkness around your heart is thick, embarrassed, ashamed, wanting to hide it, hoping nobody knows. But it's dark. Maybe you can relate to one of those or several of those. But for whatever reason, the darkness around you is real. And I want you to remember, God's light always wins over life's darkness. When you see the Christmas lights, let it not remind you of commercialism or just of some holiday that that people just celebrate at a certain time of the year but let the light 
remind you of the real reason for the season. And let it remind you of the one who wants to step into your darkness with his light and lead you out of the darkness of grief, guilt, loneliness, pain, or whatever, to the warmth of the light of all lights. And what if in this Christmas season, God would use you to share his light with others? It's really what the miracle offering is all about. It's really what the big give is all about. We put our trees by the window for our neighbors to see. God's tree was on display for all of mankind to see. Matthew 4 verse 16 says, The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. We carry our trees home to place them in our house. God carried his trees so that his home could be in our hearts. Are you ready to celebrate him this season? Are you reminded of the reason for the season? Are you ready to celebrate our king? I don't believe that Jesus has a problem with you having a Christmas tree in your house having one at a Christmas party with gifts underneath it, I think that he would just say, when you see the tree, remember me.